This episode is brought to you by Amazon.com. On Amazon.com, you'll find great deals on Blu-rays, video games, digital downloads, such as Dan St. Germain's new stand-up album, Bad at the Good Times, which is a real page-turner of an album. Get that and other great stuff for your entertainment needs by going to thexcomedy.com and clicking on the Amazon banner on the right side of the screen. Place your order and enjoy immediately. That's Amazon.com. Hello and welcome to Tits and Giggles. This is a podcast for women in comedy and their supportive male friends. I am your host, Sue Smith. What's up, everybody? I am coming at you from my house in Brooklyn. And uh, let me give you an update on the cats. They're great. Their scabs really clear. Brittany's scabs really cleared up. Um, I got this one. There's one medicine that works on her ear scabs, but then she has a couple on her forehead still so I'm trying yet another new cat food we'll see how that goes um I however am a little sick I'm very run down and my mom says it's because it's because of the pollen everything's covered in pollen and I think that that might be true because our car is like covered in like a layer of yellow grossness um and I have a sensitive little baby system so I don't take medicine that often and I've been taking this like cough syrup all night because I've been coughing at night and uh I don't know if it's making me dizzy or if I'm just dizzy from like the weird allergies um but it's weird like I notice any alterations to my system at all but I'm a little dizzy and oh yesterday um I was feeling like yesterday I hadn't even taken any medicine and I was feeling like I had was having a little out of body experience so like what I did was went and shot a UCB1 video where we sting opt people who were crossing the street and texting um, on their phones and it was kind of a difficult shoot because people did not want to be criticized for their texting <laughs> so they were not very nice to us um, but parts of it were fun because we ran into a lot of people we knew. I ran into one of my students from NIFA. What's up, Sophia? And so we uh, sting-upped her, and I met her little baby sister. And then we ran into some people, and we dressed them up in gorilla suits. And so we just had gorillas dancing in the middle of the street in Union Square, and people were laughing and coming and and taking selfies with them. And that was really funny. Because it was just so funny, because we had three of them, right? And one was really tall. <laughs> Bjorn from my team is like 6'5", and he was dressed up in a gorilla suit. <laughs> it was hilarious. And then uh, we ran into Joe Ruhieb, and she's hilarious. And we put her in a gorilla, gorilla mask with a clown costume, and she was really getting into it, and she was like acting like a gorilla. Uh, she, she was like a method actor. So that was great, too. Um, and then for the third beat, we made a car out of cardboard and had Mujan from my team wear a Richard Nixon mask. No, it wasn't Nixon, it was Reagan. Had her wear a Reagan mask and then um, run into people in the crosswalk and be like, hey, you just got hit by a car, be careful. They didn't like that. But we still had the gorillas too, so that was fun. Um, It was our last video, so we kind of just got silly as hell. And Keith Haskell loves doing silly, crazy stuff and... and, uh, 
messing with people. So that was fun. Keith Haskell from The Gethard Show, he's one of our directors. He was directing it. But, yeah, that was really fun. So, okay, where I was going with this was that I was feeling a little sick all day, and then, like, actually, like, doing those videos, uh, performing for, like, a few hours straight kind of takes a lot out of you. So then after the video was over, I told myself that I was going to go to the container store because... I've been watching Zoella videos, who's this um, YouTube makeup lifestyle blogger. She's British, and she's so cute. And she showed how her makeup station was arranged. And I'm not someone who can picture things, like arranging things or separating things or organizing things. But when I saw hers, I was like, oh, I need to arrange my makeup station like that. So I was like, I'm going to go to the container store after I shoot this video. So I went to the container store it was almost like I was on drugs or outside my body. I bought so many things for my house made out of lucite. So lucite everywhere. Like a little thing for my makeup brushes, a thing for the kitchen sink. Like, ugh, I bought so much stuff. Like, if I drank, I would say that I was drunk shopping at the container store, is what you could say. That's what you do when you're an adult, I think. Um... So, I bought a lot of things, changed my life. I'm now organized thanks to Zoella, thanks to the container store. Thanks to my work for giving me a paycheck to, like, waste at the container store. Oh, God, life is fun, huh? Um, Guys, Mo Fasselbob and the Experiment Comedy helped me put out an album this week. It's not, okay, it's not an album. I always think I'm, like, a phony, but it's an EP. It's a short album. It's, like, 18, 20 minutes long. Um, And I'm so proud I think it turned out great, and um, it's solid. I recorded it twice at the Treehouse in New York, and uh, Andy Farnsworth did a great job with the editing, and I'm really happy. Um, I took a few jokes out about my family because I didn't. I know my mom was going to listen, and I didn't want her to listen to... I mean, I didn't have nice... You know, they're not nice. Like, if you're... I, I don't think the internet should hear not nice things about my mom. You know? That's what I'm saying. Um, anyway, it's called Slay Pretzel, and that is a beat of one of the jokes, and you'll have to get the album to find out. You can get it on the Experiment website, Amazon, iTunes, wherever albums are sold. Um, and Tim Bailey, I really love the cover, cover art, because Tim Bailey, um, I was like, hey Tim, I just want, like, this is what I'm going to call my album. Um, I wanted to incorporate pretzels somehow, and then he sent me back all these uh, ideas that were like, super sexy, like, like a woman with a tramp stamp of a pretzel, like that kind of thing. And I was like, no, Tim, I mean a regular, like huge pretzel. So he was like, got it. And what he did was went on Amazon and bought a pretzel raft. (laughs) And then he got it and he made arms and legs and eyes for it. And it's the fucking most glorious thing. I love it so much. I'm so happy with artwork. Um, yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Mo put so much work into it, and then Heidi from Shark Party was so helpful. She, like, really pressured, she's my friend as well, and she really pressured me to get it out because I wouldn't have done it on my own because I would have been like, nobody wants this, Um, but I'm glad I did. I'm glad she put, and she uh, put the foot down and, like, really made it happen. So it's great. I'm really proud of it. We had a great show to celebrate the other night um, at Brooklyn at Over the Eight, and what I had done was I just picked everybody who I think is hilarious who was really funny, and put him on a show, and we laughed. There are some people who are so funny, 
And, like, as a comedian, you see a lot of other comedians. You see a lot of comedy. So you don't always... So when you find someone that you think is funny, it can be kind of rare, but it doesn't happen that often. But when you do, you're like, oh, I got to put this person in the back of my head and remember them. So John Zaluga, who I host Amazing Town Comedy with every week. I hear his material every week, and it still makes me crack up. He has this... Oh, he has this whole long bit about his neighbor mrs bellamy i just love hearing it so and there's some punchlines i just love hearing like joe para sings jesse's girl <laughs> and it takes like five minutes and it just cracks me up and like a lot of people came out to support me and then i went up at the end um and mom and i didn't really talk about whether he was gonna give me the light and he gave me the light and i was like no i'm just gonna keep it going <laughs> and i went for a while and everybody was nice and oh such a great feeling Thanks to everybody who came out and uh, who's got the album and supported me. I, I just feel really loved. Um, so that's cool. So that's cool. Let me do some plugs for you. I should say I have Sue Costello on the show today, and she is um, great. She's a legendary comedian, and she used to have her own show called uh, Costello. I believe it was a sitcom on the television. And uh, you'll sense a little weirdness. I don't know what that is, <laughs> but you will definitely sense it. This is definitely one of the more uh, interesting, uh, tense interviews I've done. I don't know why, but have a listen <laughs> and check it out. Let me know what you think. You can email me and, and let me know why you think that is. All right, let me do some plugs. Every Tuesday, we have Amazing Town at Bunga's Den at 8 p.m. You know that. Um, we do that every week, and it's been great. We've been getting great crowds. They've turned the AC on, which is good. Friday, I have two shows. I have, I'm doing something called The Bitch Seat at Union Hall, which is where we talk about, like, our childhood stuff. Um, so I have to, like, find some nostalgia that I'm mad about and send it to her. And then I have something at Pine Box at 9 o'clock, so in Brooklyn, and that'll be fun. That's Friday the 15th. And then, oh, guys... I don't know. You can I I have all these on my website. I redid my website at SueSmithComedy.com. You can go look. I just like don't. I'm so overplugging <laughs> myself. I'm so drained from like promoting myself. But I will say, I'll have another episode out by then on May 27th. Um, I have a Montreal callback. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but I'm just happy because, like I said, I always feel like a fraud and a phony, um, and like I'm not a real comedian. Um, so to get a Montreal callback makes me feel great. I don't know. I, I just think that's an artist thing, and I don't know what to do to make that go away. Uh, but it, I, everyone has it, I think. My therapist was like, I told her about it, and she was like, yeah, that's very common in artists. I was like, so what do I do? And she was like, I don't know. <sighs> that's why I stopped going to therapy. Anyway, uh, just the medicine. No, I mean, I, I work on myself. Don't worry. I'm always working on myself. Anyway. Here is Sue Costello. Enjoy. I just have to calm down after that little hike. Yeah. Yeah. From the Grand Isle? 
Yeah, it's like something about in the G train. It's like if you miss the G train, it's like missing a friggin' stagecoach. <laughs> you have no <laughs> idea if it's coach. ever coming again or. Right? How? Yeah, I lived in Greenpoint for a year, and I always took forty-five minutes to go anywhere. Gave myself at least. It's funny because I when I was first there, I was like, I love it over here. It's so cool, and now I'm like, Sue, get real. It's really you're isolated over here. It's crazy. It's far. So yeah, no, I'm cool. I'm all right. Do you leave often or do you stay up? Do you conduct most of your business out there? I leave do you? every day. I go to the city, yeah, because most of my stuff is in the city. I feel like I need to move back to the city. Yeah? Yeah. You live there for forever, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I, I did like Brooklyn for a little while and now I gave it a chance. I'm a city girl, though. Yeah. Yeah. You have a nice big place, though. I do, but not, still doesn't matter. Not costing, not cutting the mustard. Well, no, because I have to travel so far yeah, every yeah. day. I'm like again with either the walking over the bridge or you take the G. Yeah, yeah. I like to move, and shake. Plus, all my stand ups in the city. I do yoga in the city. Everything's in the city. So, where where do you perform usually? I perform a lot at Broadway and uh, at Greenwich Comedy Club. Greenwich, but like I'm headlining the, the cutting room on the 24th of January. Oh, nice. Yeah, next Saturday night. Nice. Yeah. Are you, do you do an hour? How much time? I'm going to do an hour probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to get ready to do, I've never shot anything of my stand-up ever, except for Premium Blend, I mean, years and years and years ago. That's awesome. So I want to start getting some of that so that people can experience it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still shocked that I've never done it. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm headlining Laugh Boston in June, I think, so I'm going to hopefully film, maybe film that. That's amazing. I'm headlining the Women's Comedy Festival in April in Shut Boston, Shut up. Too. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. That's a huge deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to start getting it all tight, 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 so hopefully film it by in January. That's I mean, huge. in uh, June. June. That's huge. Yeah. How long have you been doing comedy for? 20 years. Wow. Yeah. Do you still work as hard as you used to? I work hard. Way hard. Well, I work more uh, efficiently mm. than I used to. How, has your process changed? Tremendously. How so? It's funny. I just did my podcast with a girl who books comedy. Uh-huh. And I was talking about how you can get caught up in the rat race of doing spots on yeah. the weekends, five, six spots on the weekends. Yeah. And it depletes your energy like you would not believe. And not only that, your creativity. You think like, oh, if I do tons of spots, it'll make me strong. There is some something to be said about doing, getting on stage a lot. But also there's something about doing it too much because you're... Trying to, all the comedy shows are at the same time. So trying to get there on time, getting in the cab, getting there. Stressful. Somebody, oh my, it is so stressful. So stressful. And the level of money that you make is only just enough to get you by. It's not. It's not worth it. No. <laughs> no, no. But, I, but you can get caught up in it, like, because you think like, oh, because you do get strong. You go on stage all the time. But I just did Broadway two weeks ago and I kill like killed she was like so you kill I was first yeah she's like you killed and I'm like I know because I'm learning how to I don't mean I know like of course but I well, do you, know I always kill but, but yeah I mean I'm learning how to harness my energy more and like letting it rip I'm having more self-esteem is what I'm gonna yeah. say so do you say no to stuff that oh, isn't worth your time all the time yeah good and people are like what like yeah. I had a guy who wanted me to shoot all this stuff I was like how much does it pay and he's like oh it doesn't pay and I'm like yeah no no <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean, no? I'm like, yeah, no, I don't work for free. Good. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I get paid for my job. Yeah. And he's like, well, I don't think that's in your best interest. I was like, well, okay. Great. You tell me. <laughs> yeah, like, I've been doing this for, ugh, 
But seriously, and that's the other thing that happens is they give you, like, it's not in your best interest, it's not good for your career, it's not for this. And I'm like, oh, mm, yeah, mm-hmm, mm, yeah. Like, people think that you're going to work for free. They think that comedians and actors are totally disposable and will just do whatever. But there is something every once in a while. I mean, it's not that I won't ever do something for free. That's yeah. not the case either. But, I mean, in terms of, like, if I see if I do this and it adds value to my career in a right. different way, yes, but not just... For the heck of it. Right. Or especially not for your ben- for their benefit with no benefit to me. Right. Absolutely. Um, so you work more efficiently in that you're streamlined and only do shows that you want to do, right? Well, I'm starting to like really become like a big headliner now because I decided to become a big headliner. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. You put that in your mind. <laughs> it's just really funny how that happens. Yeah. So you're like, I'm going to, you just set the attention and... No, I didn't set the attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just started telling people, like, yeah, I don't do that. I'm a headliner, and now I'm a headliner. <laughs> well, I should be a headliner, but it was my own fault yeah. for getting in the way of... And also being a woman. I mean, there's no no doubt whatsoever about that it's, like, fucking tremendously hard to be a woman stand-up. How so? Well, they you get a lot of... Well, I was just... T- I, we just literally just had this conversation about even in terms of, like, on the road or if guys are all hanging out together, they're not going to be so apt to be like, oh, and let's bring her. Yeah. Because you put bring her, and then all of a sudden put the needle on the record. It's like, eh, you know, they had they're they're not going to talk the same. They're not going to be able to be as vulgar. They're not going to be able to be. It's just. Did you watch Bonnie McFarland's documentary? No, I haven't seen it yet. Oof. Does it talk about how bad it is for women? Yeah, it's called Women Aren't Funny. <laughs> I know the title, yeah. and I don't know the title. I and always she think just... like, why is that title the title? Because it seems like it puts. If it's not about that, is what I'm saying. Oh, she is. She... There's no resolution at the end. Like, I wish she would have just come to, like, a... It's going to be great. It's hopeful. But um, she interviews a bunch of people who think women aren't funny. Like, other comedians and people on the street. And Oh, so she just kind of lays it out there and is like, yeah. Yeah, she interviews Patrice, Joan Rivers. What does Patrice say? God rest his soul. He said that women aren't as He's funny. He's full of shit because he used to fall over laughing on Tough Crowd with me. He would try so <laughs> hard not to laugh and then he would fall over laughing. Yeah. So I don't know what the hell it is. It's a thing. It's almost like when you're dating somebody and they're acting cooler than they are, I think. Yeah. Yeah, they're trying to... They're they don't want to admit it. Yeah. yeah. When what? I used to do Tough Crowd, they would literally stare at me. Yeah. And I would be like, what? What? What's 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 wrong? Why why are they staring? And now people tweet at me and they're like, "Sue, your brilliance on Tough Crowd used to be so intimidating." And I'm like, oh, "They were purposely not laughing." I'm like, "What? They would literally purposely not laugh?" Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it is intimidating, and I think there are fewer there are fewer women doing it, so it's harder. Not all of them are going to be good. Well, and now we can also get into the discussion of that women don't get as much stage time. So how are we going to be as good as? The guys when we don't get as much stage time as our peers who are men who are getting so she interviews club owners who are like man I don't I don't book women I don't book women like all the stuff and there she talks to one club owner who's like there are only ten women headlining on the road right now and in, in the whole country so it's funny that you're like I'm a headliner I'm rip I'm letting I know, you know I'm doing it too I like literally like went out on my own rented my own places yeah. headline got pressed did all sorts of stuff and now mm-hmm. it's like now. You just have to, I was saying to the girl earlier, but you just have to instead, you have to accept it. And I tried to do this. I had my own sitcom at a time when, like, two other women did that. Two yeah. other women. And yeah. I was still in my 20s when it all started. I started off at, like, 26 when this all started. Yeah. And um, I came back from my sitcom, and they were having a woman's panel. And I was like, we have to admit to the sexism, because once we admit to it, then we can get a game plan, and we can figure out a way to 
deal with it. Yeah. And they were screaming at me, screaming at me. And I was already so beat up really? from the show. Yeah, I was, and now I look back and I go, that, like even with war or whatever, you always like figure out, even with like sports, you figure yeah. out like your opponents, you figure out yeah. a way to win. Yeah. Why do we, I always think like, why don't we do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think she interviews people and she, women who don't think she women are funny. interview me. Yes, yeah, I would have told her. She, she should have interviewed I'm telling you, but isn't that funny? It's like, I'm one of the women who actually did. Yeah. And it's like, well, I wasn't in that. But I think there is a sense of competition, unfortunately. Absolutely. Like, I'm not like it's that set with up that other way. women. Yeah. But it's set up that way. And I can see it in her, it. too, when she was doing the documentary. And then she talks to people, women who say that women aren't funny. As Wait well. a minute, you can see the competition in her? Yeah, I can see it in her, too. Yeah. Yeah. Little, so maybe. Because the industry sets it up that way, yeah. though, where there's only one spot, guess what? Yeah. They're going to be competitive. I'm, I'm not even. I mean, I'm competitive in terms of, like, I want to win. Yeah. But I don't want to, I don't need to win it. I, I've, I understand my own authenticity yeah. now. If you have your own yeah, voice, then you're not competing, you know? But, I mean, it's taken me a tremendous, a tremendous amount. Like, I was telling the girl earlier that I literally sat across from this hedge fund gun, this hedge fund guy, and told him about this one place that I was going to headline, yeah. and explained it to him. And I said, this is what's going on. And he, the guy looked me dead in the eyes, and he was like, Sue? I was like, what? He's like, that man is just fucking with you. Really? And I go, what do you mean? What do you mean? I mean, is it, he's like, he's not only is he fucking with you, that's not even good business for him. He's, he's impeding his own business to fuck with you. And I sat across from the guy, and it was so hard to let in my body. But I was like, Sue, what did I just say? Like, sports, you have to admit what's going on and go around. You have, so I was like, all right, so this is what's going on. Accept it, and how do I go around it? Wait, so he put you on to headline? No, he was setting up a deal that was, like, impossible for me to do, but it was even in, impeding his business because I'm a woman. You mean, I don't, what do you mean? He was setting up a deal for me to what come headline. Deal? I'm not going to tell okay. you how that. <laughs> like, financially, or the number of people you have to bring? Or Both. Like, okay. Not bring, but the whole idea of my bonus and all the stuff that would happen was, wasn't even financially sound for him. Gotcha. And so for a business, I took it to a business person who works in money, money yeah, yeah, and numbers yeah. and asked him. Yeah. He said, there's no business sense in this whatsoever. Not even, he's not even fucking you over trying to take your money. Yeah. He's just fucking with you. And it was making him mad. It was making him, and anytime I tell a, uh, like a Wall Street guy about this, they get, they visit, you can see them getting mad. Really? Because it doesn't make sense business-wise for them. That's awful. That's so, why have you stuck with it? Because <laughs> uh, I'm awesome at it. Yeah. Well, I know that. I know that you're a badass, but. I am. I'm getting more badass, though. I know. But that's what's happening. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but like, it's so tough. What's made you stick with it for so long? I like a challenge. No, I like to, I want to see if I, I want to be like, okay, let's see. I, because what am I going to do? Give in? Yeah. What am I going to do? Say you win? Yeah. I mean, if all the greatest sports athletes, I mean, uh, what's his face? Tom Brady, he was like six round pick. They kept him on the bench and guess what he did every day on the bench? When I get my opportunity, I'm going to show up like crazy. And he did. And look at him now. Yeah. He's married to Giselle. Well, that would be I guess that wasn't <laughs> I what I, I was thinking. <laughs> oh, they're playing tonight. He's one of the Patriots. He's like the biggest, like the he's best, on the Patriots? like okay. arguably the best quarterback ever in all of, and he's not even physically the right size or anything. And usually anytime you hear a story of success, it is that 
people overcome tremendous odds to get to where they are. So as a woman, I my my main mission in life is to not become a man, like in terms of my the way I go on stage and just be rough so I don't make them nervous. Yeah. And also not to cave in and I want to hold on to my femininity, hold on to my talent and continue to go and not let it make me not be who I am. Yeah. I like that. I... That's my cat. Um, I... Do you ever feel like you sacrifice your sense of humor? Like, I was in a situation last week where um, I wasn't getting laughs because I wasn't a boisterous dude, and that's what the audience was responding to. In a situation like that, would you do jokes to cater to that, or would you just do the same stuff? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh... Do you ever feel like you're sacrificing your no. sense of humor to make the audience laugh? No, and it's funny because I was, you just asked me why I kept doing it, and I said, because I'm awesome, and you actually, like, emotionally, like, tried to make me not say that I was awesome. No, but I know that. But I'm but saying... there has to be another reason. No. <clears throat> if we let that sit, like, how could somebody be that funny and that talented and kill that much and not be able to be successful in a business that that's what you're supposed to do? I'm not saying you're not. I'm not saying you're not. I'm saying you got uncomfortable with me saying that I was. No, I'm not uncomfortable. I just want to tease it apart and say, like, it's emotionally very draining. For you. No. (laughs) No, it's a very tough business and very draining. So, like, how have... So, it must be for you, then, if you're saying that, because I didn't say that. No, it is for me. Yeah. Yeah, it is for anybody. It's a tough business. It's not emotionally draining for me. Okay. I'm not saying you're not awesome. I just want to know what I that means. I didn't say you didn't. And I want to I'm see what that, that means You asked to you. me why I continued to do it. And I said because I'm awesome at it. Yeah. And then you were like, I know, but. Yeah, I know you are. Right, but I want that to sit there and say, like, that's how hard it is for a woman. It's not like, oh, I wasn't funny. Oh, I had to get better. Oh, I had to do this. Oh, I had to prove myself. Yeah. Sometimes it's like that you're that funny and you kill and it doesn't work out. That's how hard it is to be a woman in stand-up. But once you go, you admit to that is what I'm trying to say, as opposed to like the emotional draining stuff comes from trying to go up against something and change it instead of admitting to it and go around it. So when you ask me about if you're on stage with the guys that are getting boisterous guys, I would say hold on to yourself and don't feed into that. Okay. And it becomes less emotionally draining when you hold on to yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. And don't even give any energy to worrying about that. That's right. <coughs> don't give any energy to worrying about what those guys are doing. Right. I'm not saying you're not awesome. I didn't say you were. <laughs> I'm saying you were skipping over it. You wanted to know. I wanted it to sit with the fact that that could be true and it's still hard. Yeah. And you asked me why I continue to do it. Because I'm really good at it. Mm-hmm. I'm letting it sit. I know, but it's, it's like, it's really like, wow, what? And just for somebody to be able to say that. Yeah. Because I used to literally pretend like I wasn't really good at it. Why? Because it was so hard. I would think like, oh, oh, it must be me. Oh, oh. Instead of being like, nope, that's what it is. And it's really hard. Right. That's what, that was what I find more devastating than anything. The sexism, the sexism yeah. is, is, exists and it doesn't have to do with, sometimes it just has to do with because I'm a woman. Yeah. It doesn't have to do with you no. at all. Yeah. 
But once I started to get out of the rat race and like trying to, like I said, trying to fit in and do all that stuff, I I went to L.A. I see T.J. Miller in the back, who's very successful now. He's hilarious. I see him in the back room at Melt at the Nerdist thing, and he's like, Sue Costello, I used to watch you at the comic strip in awe at how much you used to kill. And I literally looked at him, and I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, T.J. Miller is telling me this. And I'm like, that was not my experience because of the way I was treated as a woman. Right. But guess what? I'd rather listen to what T.J. Mill is saying and go around and have a career than pretend like it's not happening or... Yeah. Um, do you get mad? Or what do you do about it? If you accept it, do you try to change it? No, I go around it. How's I stop that? trying to fight like a, somebody who's not going to change. Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to get some club owner who hates women to like women. Right. At all. But do you try to change the mentality on a larger scale? No, I just be it. Yeah. You just show up and kill. She's just awesome. That makes sense. Don't worry about other people. Do your own thing. Yeah, you keep your eyes on your own paper. That's what the boys do. Mm Mm-hmm. They're not worried. They don't even think twice. Someone tells them they suck, guess what they say? Fuck you. (laughs) Women, we can go to bed for weeks. And we miss all that stage time. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Bad show the other night. I felt bad for, like, 12 hours. Mm Mm-hmm. But even if a guy feels bad, his, his tendency is to be aggressive, go forward. Yeah. And us, as we nurture and uh, heal our wounds, and that gets us in a place that's not so good in terms of... For me, it's always, oh, maybe they're right. See? Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Maybe they're right. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, I had the experience to be like, oh my God, I was blaming myself when it wasn't what was going on at all. Mm Mm-hmm. So how did you get to a place to believe I started accepting that it was a reality that sexism is really, really, really bad. Yeah. And then I thought, how can I go around this? And I admitted to my own trying to, like, make it different. Right. Yeah, my need for their approval or whatever. Now I'm like... And it's amazing because it helps your talent so much more. Because that's why I do it. Because I have this talent that I want to... And I love to make people laugh. Like, that's why I do stand-up. Mm-hmm. And I love the craft of it. And I love going on stage and killing. <laughs> <laughs> This is the best feeling. I do. It's the best and feeling. And so I'm like, well, how do I take away everything that's inhibiting that? Which takes self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess what you're saying is it's making my head hurt. Like, because it's so much thinking. I know. It is it's very deep. <laughs> it's it is deep. Um, just accepting that and saying that has nothing to do with me. I'm going to do like you can do it on a heady level. For me, it's harder on an emotional level when you're there and they're not. Sometimes I know these jokes are funny, but they're not laughing at me because they're only responding to dudes. That's harder for me. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to cry. You're coughing. No, oh, my I'm God. Coughing. I thought you were going to cry. <laughs> no, no, no. no, but, and then I say to myself, and if you go home and pay attention and trust that you know that they're funny and you don't worry about what those boys are doing. 
Yeah. And you go back next week and you do what you think is funny. That energy will go into your act, into what you're doing, and you'll... And even if it's a reality. Yeah. Even if they're laughing at the boys because it's boys. Right. If you give your energy to that, it's like what they say about you have one foot and you stay one foot and tomorrow you're pissing all over today. That's what's <laughs> going on with your... You know what I mean? It's, you're like, I know this is funny. I'm worried about the boys. It's all it's all muted instead of going, you know what I think? I know it's funny. I'm in charge of myself. This sucks, but I'm going to turn it around. And that's how you turn it around. You don't try to like change them. You just hold on to yourself is the way I would describe it. Yeah. That's so hard. Oh, my. It's, it's so hard. Plus, because some people get mad and setting boundaries, and people get really, really, like, mad. And you're like, oh, my God, this person, all I'm saying is, this is what I need, and they're literally... But then it becomes easier and easier and easier, and you stop worrying about... Like, somebody called me, they wanted me to do this thing, and they wanted me to do 45 minutes, and they told me how much money it was. And I just emailed them back, and I said, I can do a half hour for that. Yeah. And they were like, cool. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's taken me a long time to, like... It's kind of taking responsibility for myself and not whining, like... It's like, it is. Yeah, it, it is because I was raised a girl, and I have a hard time asking for money, and it's like, okay, but let's... Let's address that instead of worrying about them. Like, okay, so I have a hard time asking for what I deserve. So what that I can handle. Yeah. So if the guys are yelling at me because are not giving me what I deserve, well, if I have a hard time asking for what I deserve, whose fault is that? Right. So if I ask for what I deserve and they don't give it to me, at least it's not my fault. Yeah. And that fuels my ability to continue with my career because I'm not negating my own. I'm not blaming anybody else. I'm not. Yeah. I have, I still have the feeling, I've been doing comedy for seven years. I still have the deep feeling that like, I'm not funny Mm -hmm. and I need audience to laugh to prove that I am funny. You know what I mean? So like, Yeah, you told me that you know that it's funny. So it's like you're in the middle of something. I huh? really, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then if I don't do well with an audience, I'm like, ah, oh, they're right. They know. I'm a fraud. You know what I mean? That very deep But that's thing. what I would say is your issue. That has nothing to do with anything else. It has nothing to do with boisterous guys. It yeah. has nothing to do yeah, with... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's kind of... For me, that was always freeing because I was like, oh, I can, I can do something about that. It's not fun. Mm-hmm. Who wants to, you know make themselves uncomfortable and have to grow, but it's better than blaming... Who wants to listen to me? Oh, guys, guys, don't treat me. Nobody wants to hear that. I, I've still been trying to do this joke about, like, people, people's ass cheeks squeezed together as soon as you say anything, like, I'm a woman and I'm oppressed. Like, everybody, even the women, are like, ah! Yeah. Nobody wants to hear it. Yeah. They don't want to hear it. But the way I say it now is in a way that's not victimized or resentful. Like, I'm not resentful. It just is what it is to me now. Yeah. That makes sense. What is your um, process like for writing and for coming up with new stuff? Do you just do it on... Most of my stuff is all real. Yeah. I, th- I would say everything, pretty much. There's like exaggerations to some of... But most of my stuff is all... It's all very, very, very honest. And, I, and that's the other thing. When I first started out, I was very honest. Mm-hmm. And people would get... I don't know if it was jealous or what it was, so I stopped doing it. Mm-hmm. And now what's happening is I'm like, oh, it's coming back, and it's coming back stronger, and it's coming back like like you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. I'm just trusting myself so much more because I feel like I got nothing to lose and everything to gain. 
Mm -hmm. I had a TV show. I turned myself inside out. I did all the stuff that, and I'm like, oh, it's so boring. (laughs) It really is. Yeah. And that idea of propping yourself up with other people is never ending. What do you mean? If you worry about the audience liking you, you will never be fulfilled. Because mm-hmm. it's always a different audience. You never know what's happening. You never know what's going on. And I'll tell you, there was one night when um, this speaks to the purity of that whole idea of getting laughs and trusting yourself. I did um, comedy covers with Jim Brewer. He used to do comedy covers at Caroline's all the time. And mm-hmm. Artie Lang would host. And they just bust my balls all the time. And so it would be, there was a way. And I always work with the guys. I did t- Tough Crowd. And the reason why I work with them is because I know how to like go in. Same thing with Patrice. Yeah. Like, I know how to go in and not go up against them. Like, perfect example. Patrice O'Neill, Tough Crowd. They're all talking. It's And usually with Tough Crowd, the way the Tough Crowd was set up was that it was all the boys were regulars. Mm-hmm. And they would rotate women in because they needed women. But if you think about the psychology behind that, the guys were all very comfortable with each other and they had their own jobs. They had solid jobs. They didn't have to worry. We were brought in to a place that was very comfortable as women by ourselves and had to perform in order to be invited back Yeah, a month, two months later. So we were set up already in a way that we had to prove ourselves above and beyond what was already comfortable for those guys. Yeah. So there was an episode where, um, they first of all, I was sitting there and I saw that there was a four acts. So Colin would do the first act, we would talk for the two acts, and then we'd all have to do a fourth act where we would talk to the camera. Mm-hmm. And so I was prepping with the producer and I saw her on the uh, monitor uh, Sue Costello's flat ass and I was like what is that what is that right there and the producer was like oh you weren't supposed to see that I'm like what why does that say my flat ass and she's like that's Patrice O'Neill's fourth act I'm like oh I'm gonna get him I'm gonna get him and I'm gonna get him I'm not I'm this is it I'm my whole mission on the show was to get Patrice yeah because I knew he was gonna close with the flat ass and so they they started in and they were doing the whole um Women, yeah, women are turning into guys, and there's like six of them saying this, right? Yeah. So I know not to go, shut up, you guys, or try to do anything like that. I'm like, there's no way because I'll just look through the camera as the bitchy girl trying to stand right. up to the guys, and I won't win anyways because there's like six of them, right? So I waited and I waited and I waited and I said, What are you talking about? I said, Men turn into women. All the time, Patrice O'Neill is morphing into Aretha Franklin as we speak, <laughs> and they. Patrice fell over laughing and it was like so that idea of like that's what I mean by like I couldn't change tough crowd I couldn't change the fact that they're all buddies and they hang around together yeah so I knew that so I sat there and instead of trying to go up against them and saying women whatever they would turn on me I just went in with a smart joke that was what they were talking about just play their own game well, not even played their own game, but just didn't try to be a guy. Yeah. I knew I was a girl and that I wasn't going to, it was just never going to, it's never going to be, I'm never going to be one of the guys. Yeah. So why don't I just come in with a surprise and make them laugh and, and so that's what I was going to say. So that, but that, so the comedy covers, there was a girl in the front row, it was at Caroline's and there was a girl in the front row and she was uh, so drunk, like it was breaking my heart how drunk she was. Mm-hmm. And, uh. Usually I handle whatever happens and I could have handled her and something inside of me just said, don't, 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 uh, don't hurt this girl. I just made the choice and I knew, I knew I was going to take the lump. I knew I wasn't going to kill like I usually kill and I just made the conscious decision. Just ignored it? I just did. Yeah. And I just didn't, the only way I would have 
leveled the room as if I leveled her up, shut her up, and then did my stand-up. Yeah. I just let her keep talking, did my stand-up, and got off stage. So in my head, I think that was a personal choice for me to be a happier person, not necessarily for my career. Right. I got off stage, and these were all like blue-collar guys that follow these guys. Every single one of them came up to me afterwards, and they were like, oh my God, Sue, that was so kind. That was the kindest thing I've ever seen anybody do, and I was so <laughs> shocked that that they actually saw it. They recognized it. But I didn't even, that wasn't even on the radar of the motive at all. So once I started, so that's what I mean by like holding on to yourself. And that's what all artists, even fashion people, like they're the people that hold on to themselves and don't go with all the trends and just, those are the people that, that's why everybody, I mean, Fiona Apple said, you know, you pay to watch me show off on stage. Like you want me. That's why people want to go see, They, we have such an admiration for people who can pretty much hold on to themselves. Do you ever feel that Fiona Apple quote made me think? Sometimes when I do like a longer set, I'll get off stage and feel super emotionally drained or like emotionally vulnerable Mm -hmm. for the rest of the night. Do you ever get that? Not as much anymore because I've been doing it much longer. Yeah. But I would imagine back, yes. I'm sure. I feel like raw after I do a longer set. It's super. If I was your therapist, I would tell you to watch that. Yeah. (laughs) I'm serious. Like, what are you doing that you don't have to feel that raw? Right. That's why it's emotional draining for you to do the stand-up sometimes. Whatever you're doing is making you too emotionally draining, so there might be a way to... I'm only saying this because I have my one-woman show, yeah. and I learned how to protect myself. Yeah, I just give too much. Yes. Yeah. And by giving too much, that's what I'm talking about, about pulling in on yourself more. Yeah. Testing yourself more, like saying... I would say even you're saying do they think I'm a fraud like who get like say so what if they think I'm a fraud instead of like trying to say instead of fighting it right who cares if they think I'm a fraud tonight yeah that's what I would do that's what's helped me tremendously with my career instead of worrying about like do they think I'm a fraud right or I'm not a fraud I'd be like well maybe they will think I'm a fraud or maybe I am a fraud right now who cares I'm gonna do stand up anyways tonight yeah and that relieves all that external, and then you get to the art, the creativity. That makes sense. Because when you're on stage, you want to be open so that you can be open to every moment and not projecting. Right, of course. But it takes a long time. I remember getting off stage one night. I think it was Keith Robinson. Some guy heckled me, and I leveled him. Level, 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 leveled him. And I thought it was awesome. And I got off stage, and Keith Robinson was like, Sue, did you ever think that that guy might be flirting with you? And I was absolutely mortified. Yeah. I was like, no. And then I then I was able to be like, wow, what if that guy was flirting with me, then the audience was probably like, Yeah, they laugh, but what am I what am I putting out there? I'm putting out this like crazy tough bitch that really I'm not. Yeah. Because I was it was it was intolerable for me to think that somebody would flirt with me when I'm sta- on stage because still to this day I don't know how to handle that that's right. the one thing I don't know how to handle and I get goofy and I act go- and but I'm like I've embraced that too I'm like well that's what part of it too yeah better that than people would say oh you're much nicer in real life and I'd be like oh something is awry something is terribly wrong what am I doing <laughs> right but that's what's cool about doing stand-up is this stand-up can be like a microcosm for your life. Like once you learn how to stop giving so much on stage, it'll help you in your real life. Oh yeah, it's definitely a boundary thing because I'm getting to the point now where people are like, remember when you blah, blah, blah and said this in your act? And I was like, you don't need to know that about me. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
So it's uh, learning how to do boundaries is mm-hmm. hard. I'm learning. Well, especially because you want to be free and creative. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I want to give the most as I can, as much mm-hmm. as I can, and still have it be good and funny. But even talking about it will help. Yeah. The process. Like, you know, I mean, you know you don't want to feel that. Nobody should walk around that vulnerable all the, after performing. Yeah, I just feel like ripped open. Like, yeah. Like, experience some shit, you know? Yeah. Oh. No. That's what I'm telling you. I don't, that doesn't happen to me anymore. Like, yeah. I'm, and it, But it's because I had to learn how to take care of myself. In comics, we're not known for taking care of ourselves. No. There's no, like, go to the spa, take care of yourself comedian place. <laughs> Most comedians would no, don't know how to. Keep going and keep giving until mm-hmm. there's nothing left. Mm-hmm. You know? Which could arguably be a woman thing too. Yeah, maybe. We're very nurturing or very giving. No, but I try not to be. Yeah? yeah. It's hard to go against an instinct though yeah. that you're brought up with. Like I'm brought up to take care of people. But the least, the less I do that, the more... People don't want it either. They're like, take it down a notch, lady. <laughs> <laughs> I always say it's like my uh, aggressive caretaking, my aggressive nice girlness. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. No, it's not always. There's always a motive. Yeah, yeah that's true. This is true. Um, how, when did you first start doing comedy? How did you start? I went to school for theater. Okay. I went to UMass Boston. And I have my friend Kevin Chapman, who's on person of interest right now. He's uh, Officer Fusco. Mm-hmm. He lived in my neighborhood, and he would literally tell me all the time, Sue, you need to do stand-up, you need to do stand-up. And I would be like, get the fuck away from me. I would ride my bike, and I would see him, and he was like the ghost of, like, like from Scrooge. Like, I would see him, and I'd be like, get it. I'd turn my bike. I'm like, I'm not doing it. And I couldn't go to comedy clubs, so there must have been, and I was just saying this, too, like, Danny on Fame was always my favorite, and I used to listen to Cosby albums growing up. And I could—I'm not somebody who would sit there and make the connection and say, "Oh, I knew I wanted to be a comedian since I was little." Yeah. But now, as I look back, I'm like, "That's what I was attracted to." And um, he finally signed me up to do—I played a hooker in a play, uh-huh. and the the head of the department was laughing so hard, and I wasn't <laughs> trying, to, trying be funny, to be funny, which is the name of my one woman show. Uh-huh. My one woman show was called I Wasn't Trying to Be Funny because oh, I've funny. never been trying to be funny. And so uh, he laughed, and I remember thinking, oh, well, maybe I should. And and so Kevin signed me up for a competition at Duck Soup. And I was like, so you have to just try it. You just have to try it. You just have to walk through it because I always do that with myself. It's like my whole reason for living is to, like. Walk through the fear? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I was like, you just have to try it. And so I did it, and I did great. I remember just feeling so comfortable yeah. with the laughter. And I think I, they gave us scores, and I think I got, like, two and three for material, but I got us ten for stage presence. And I remember thinking, oh, that's good, because you can't, you have to be born with that. You can't work on your stage right. presence, I don't think. And so I just, that's when I, and I just kept going from there, and I ended up leaving school to go do stand-up. Really? Mm-hmm. That's great. And you stayed in Boston, and then moved to L.A.? Moved to Boston. Moved to New York. To New York. I stayed in Boston very quickly, but I, I I knew right away. I was like, I am not staying here. This place is sexist. These women aren't making it anywhere, and I am out of here. Really? Mm-hmm. Do you think it's better in New York? It was when I, definitely when I was. Yeah. Yeah, when I was coming up. Because it's not this, I we've talked about how there wasn't all the bringer shows and everything back when I was coming up. Yeah. There was a lot more audiences. There was a lot more. Comedy was a lot 
bigger deal. Yeah. All the the influx of all the specials and all the comedy shows that what happened was it was a boom in the 80s and then in the 90s they started putting it all on TV so people didn't have to leave the house so they almost ruined the It's definitely different now. Yeah, you have to bring And there're definitely different genres and different tastes and everything like that. Yeah, coming up it was like and even in Boston there was the headliners would host the shows like the host the open mics. Oh, really? Yeah, so they would and they would help groom you and they would teach you. Oh, really? There was never really as much competition and threat. Like the headliners were the headliners. There was no worry of like and there was so much work that there wasn't as much and there wasn't as much TV stuff, so that wasn't even a possibility. It was really about the craft to stand up. Yeah, that's so different. Mhm. That's so different. That's why a lot of cool good comics come from Boston. Yeah. That makes sense. Mhm. That makes sense. Um where do you do yoga? I do yoga. I don't like to tell everybody. Okay. But I do it in the city. How often do you practice? Like four or five times a week. Really? Yeah. What kind? Vinyasa usually. I do Bikram every once in a while, but it's too, I feel like it's too, it's too, dry, too dehydrating. Very competitive as well. Yeah, I don't, I, but I do like to wring my body out every once in a while. And the yoga has helped my stand-up trem- tremendously. Oh, tell me how. My body on stage, walking and moving and. Yeah. I'm very, like, physical in my body, so... Mm-hmm. I've been... People have told me that I have the same cadence and stance and walk as a lot of the black guy comedians. Oh. I like to move a lot on stage. I like to... I don't like to have a small stage. When, I'm, when I have a small stage, I'm like... And I like to be able to see the audience. Yeah. Some comics don't want to see the audience at all, and they don't care if it's just a little block. I want to see the audience, but I just don't know what to do. <laughs> When you see them? Oh, well, I will tell you, up until recently, I definitely used to have a feeling inside where I would be doing my act and I would say, I don't want to do my act, I want to be me. I yeah. felt almost trapped inside myself. I was very conscious of it. Yeah. That makes sense. And now it feels less of that. From yoga? Or from just doing it more? From everything. I mean, even what yoga teaches you, yoga teaches you to, like, be true to yourself and find out who you really are. And, and be present. Be present. Mm-hmm. And it's true. I mean, I literally, something about, I was always like halfway, like I've always been called a badass. I've always been told I was cool. I've always been told don't mess with Sue. I've always been, and it used to cause me a lot of shame. Mm -hmm. So I would try not to be that. Which is horrible, horrible way to live (laughs) because it got me nowhere because I wasn't, I still was being a badass once, but then I would cave and it was just horrible. Right. And so now I'm like, even when I, and now I have really good friends. Like one of my friends was like, when I told her that they were like, Sue, they say don't mess with Sue Costello. She goes, Sue, they should know that before you even enter a room. I'm like, oh, oh, they should? Because I used to be like, oh, oh. Yes, absolutely. But that was a way that they used to keep you down. Like when I was doing business with all my TV shows, oh, don't be difficult. Oh, don't be like Roseanne. Oh, don't do this. Oh, don't do that. And I had no idea. I was so young. I was like, oh, oh. Roseanne. Oh, yeah. I had the producers from Roseanne. They were my producers. And they uh, would literally hide behind the door and they'd whisper, like, don't be like Roseanne. Really? God, what did she do to them? She kicked them all off because they weren't doing their job. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how she did it. Yeah. The way I would do it now would be as, like, professional as I could, but you bet your ass. Yeah. If the show says Costello on it again. I'm the boss. <laughs> and people want you to be the boss, too, though. That's the other thing. Like, they want a boss. People want... People like direction. They don't want to think about it for themselves. 
And I've learned a lot, like how to, I used to, it was too much pressure for me to have to make decisions, and so I've learned how to do that. I've learned how to be clear and say, this is what I need. Yeah. And it was a, it's been it's a process. It's hard to do oh. that. Oh, it's so hard. I thought I was going to die. I was like, I can't. Yeah. And then I was like, well, I have no other option. What's my other option? Just to do the job how they want it and then be mad. <laughs> oh, and also when I had my TV show, I was like, is this it? This is what? <laughs> feels this hurts my skin really yeah you didn't like how it turned out i didn't like how the fame part of it really freaked me out how so i was like i, I people are what i love i don't want to not talk to people right. i could feel myself starting to get isolated i was like oh no 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 oh no 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 how do i keep myself being real yeah and also there's a fine line but like protecting myself enough because I, I, I flip the other way too like I don't need anything I don't need anything mm. and you do need stuff to protect yourself as a performer yeah so yeah I didn't like any of that and it was I was so devastated the jealousy and all the stuff I was like how oh, good because I didn't feel worthy myself yeah it's hard to feel worthy I was like how can they be jealous of me it's like Sue grow up <laughs> <laughs> put on your big girl pants and grow the fuck up <laughs> I just want like a little sound bite of that to listen to. It's that's true, my though. <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. I did a joke a long time ago and I brought it back because I'm like, oh, now I get it. Like my unconscious always wrote my stand up before my conscious. Always. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, I have a joke about like, doesn't it suck when girls are jealous of you and you have no self esteem? They come up to you and they're like, are you trying to fuck my boyfriend? And I'm like, fuck your boyfriend. I can barely get out of bed in the morning. I wish I had that much energy. I'd be like, what are they talking about? That makes sense. Yeah, so. People would be like, can't you have compassion for the people that are jealous of you? And I'd be like, what? Why would, yeah, why would anyone be jealous? Yes. And the truth is, yes, you should have compassion for people who are jealous of you because they think that it's something that they can't attain or something. Yeah, because it's they're sick and suffering. Mm-hmm. Thank you for coming to do this. Oh my god, that went by so fast. Sue Costello, ladies and gentlemen, wasn't that great? Uh, did you feel the tension that I felt? Is it in my own head? It's there, right? Um, Sue has her own podcast, which I've done, which was way smoother, <laughs> a whole lot easier, very smooth. Uh, and I think she's great, and I think she's really funny. She was in The Fighter. She's a Boston girl. She's hilarious. Um, so go check her out. I am going to go watch some documentaries, maybe House Hunters, fall asleep, try to take care of these allergies. Okay, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. <laughs>